Ready? Born ready. It's another episode of your favorite political podcast, Where the Party At. I'm your host, Sava Long. I just wanted to quickly say an apology for missing last week. I don't know what happened. It just got a little hectic in my world. Damn. You know, doing too much, doing too much. But we're back this week, and there's a whole lot that we got to talk about. So let's jump right into the story that just won't go away. Cop City. So uh, what happened Monday of last week, legislation was introduced in the Atlanta City Council to fund $30 million in city uh, money for the Public Safety Training Center. The co-sponsors of this legislation were as follows. Dustin Hillis, who is the chair of the Public Safety Committee, Marcy Overstreet, Matt Westmoreland, Howard Shook, Mary Norwood, and Byron Amos. So folks knew that this was going to be uh, introduced and the folks organizing the anti-cop city movement, they did something I had never seen before. And I think a lot of people at City Hall had never seen this before. Almost 300 people showed up to provide public comments in person during the public comment portion of the city council meeting. That's about seven hours of public comment. And what was interesting is that there were even more people who wanted to sign up to speak, but they had reached the, the capacity and they weren't able to. There was an overflow room, I think two overflow rooms in fact, of people who showed up to speak and listen to what was going to happen. So let's play the very beginning of the meeting. Take a listen to this. We'll now move to uh, remarks by the public. We have um, we have a number, an extraordinary number of people who have signed up. So, Before we get started, Council Member Boone wants to be recognized. Council Member oh, Boone. Thank you, Mr. President. Just wanting to um, wish the Honorable Doug Shipman and the Honorable Chair of Public Safety, Dustin Hillis, a happy, happy birthday. Thank you all for your good service and happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. It is, in fact, my birthday. Um, so because we have so many people here today, I want to... I want to make sure that we manage this efficiently and that we have every opportunity for those who have signed up last to be uh, uh, able to speak. So a few things. One, we're going to go by the sheets and in the order of the sheets, um, including who's donated time to whom. Um, two, as usual, if I mispronounce your name, I apologize in advance. Please do correct it for the record and for everybody else. 
Three, we're going to strictly be on time. Uh, at two minutes, if you are not finished, um, I will ask you to cease. If you won't cease, then I'll have to um, ask you to leave the podium. Um, and if you won't do that, I'll have to ask you to leave the chamber because it's not fair to those who have signed up who are waiting to speak. This next part that you're about to hear is the important part, and I'm going to explain why it's important just a little bit later. Take a listen to this. Also, um, I'm glad that everybody got their cheer in. That'll be the last one today. Um, you can snap, you can wave your hands, but if there's any cheering, the first thing is I'll ask those cheering to leave, and second, I'll clear the chamber and simply call people in to publicly speak. Everybody will get on the list, but I need order in the chamber so that everybody can be heard and so we can do this efficiently because there are people waiting. Mr. Chair. And given this, hold on please uh -huh. one moment, given this uh, amount of people, I want us to move as efficiently as possible to be fair for folks who are further down the list. Councilmember Bakhtiari. Would you, uh, I, I think we already, I don't know if you already announced this. Okay, but you so mind the person you hear speaking primarily is the council president, Doug Shipman. As council president, he oversees uh, the committee, or he oversees the council, rather, uh, and what's happening in the council chambers. He's in charge of public comment, and so he will call people up uh, to, to speak, and then he'll call the next person up after them. So there were... You know, this goes on. So he, you hear the start of the public comment process. At about the four and a half minute mark, there becomes this heated moment of tension. Now, you heard the last thing the council president talked about was being able to applause while the while after or after someone is speaking. So you can you heard him say you can snap your fingers, you can wave, but you can't applause. This has always been a thing in council. I've, it's something I've never understood. Um, they feel that it's, I think generally they feel like applauses are disruptive, but you can applause other things happening during council. So you can applause when someone is getting a proclamation, for example, but you can't applause during public comment. So again, at the four and a half hour mark, there's this moment of tension. Let's take a listen. What I've said right here is a fraction of the opposition, a fraction. It's been two years and you all know it. So if you do decide to vote for $33.5 million in funding, know that you are not standing with the community. You're not. These are the people. You can choose to listen to them. You can choose to listen to the powerful corporations, the people with deep pockets, but know what you're doing and know that none of you will get a pass for it. I also wanna say so many of you have decried what you say is violence from protesters. You can feel however you want to feel about it. Know that when you tell people to use formal channels of engagement, and then we do, and we give you 17 hours of public comment, we have 300-ish people who signed up today and then 100 more who weren't allowed to sign up. We are using the formal channels of engagement. I've talked to reporters who have said they have never seen, they've covered City Hall for years, decades, never seen this many people show up, never. I'm sure those of you who are no, those of you who have been here for a long time, you've never seen this sort of turnout. I haven't heard one person speak in favor of Cop City. My voice gets high like that. <laughs> this doesn't need to go on any longer. It doesn't. You can stop it. You can be brave. You can stand up to the Atlanta Police Foundation. Someone that said before, APF is trying to make villains of you. Don't let them. Don't let Andre Dickens, don't let APF make a villain of you. Stand with the people. No that you can vote against Cop City. We know it's not being voted on today, but we know that before you get into the room for the vote, this vote's already decided. So here we are telling you when we can make a difference. Stop Cop City, don't support this funding. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Yeah. 
Sorry, guys. I didn't want to do this. Clear the chamber. I warned you six times. Everybody's going to have to sit out except for those who are speaking in the front row. I asked and I asked and I asked. We'll have to clear the chamber. You can wait outside. You have to wait outside. Sorry, guys. I ask and I ask. Nope. Guys, you got to wait outside. You got to wait outside. Come on. Guys. We got a, we've got a list of folks, folks in the front row who are waiting to speak. Everybody else is going to have to wait outside. Sorry. Sorry, guys. I asked you multiple times, and you didn't. You, you've made your protest. You'll have to wait outside. Move outside, guys. You've made your point. Now you've got to move outside. Come on. Come on, guys. Guys, the rules of council are clear. I gave you multiple opportunities. I've got to let you wait outside. Sorry, guys. Guys, sit outside. Guys, I'm trying to move us along because we have 288 folks signed up. Off along. We're not moving along until folks leave the chamber. I'm ready if y'all are ready. Nope. We're not going to start public comment. What? I'm sorry, guys. Big guys, you're going to have to step outside and wait. You're going to have to step outside, guys. 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 Guys, please step outside. And you can wait. Guys, you're going to have to step outside. So we can keep going. Come on, guys. Got to clear the chamber. Gotta clear the chamber, guys. So you hear them chanting, Viva, Viva, Tortuguita. Tortuguita is the individual who allegedly shot at a state trooper and was in retaliation shot and killed. Um, this was when they were trying to clear the land that the Public Safety Training Center will be on. And just to also try to set the scene of what you're hearing, the council chamber is fully packed. Your seat, All the seats are filled with these folks who have signed up for public comment. Um, what you also see at this time is there are probably six or seven police officers at the front of the council chamber, so right where the public, the, the person who's speaking for public comment, there's a row of, of police officers kind of waiting to see if they're going to have to physically remove people from the council chambers. Let's go back and continue to listen to what's going on. There's a motion to recess by Councilmember Norwood. Do I have a second? This is your last chance to listen to us. It's a motion to recess. It's a motion to recess. May I ask how long the recess will be? The motion to recess. Mr. Chairman, you understand you do not stop clapping for proclamations 
And I mentioned this before. Mm. It's totally unfair. Look, we're not going to have the conversation. We're not going to have the conversation. There's a motion to recess. There's a motion to recess. Is there a second? Is there a second? There's, there's no, guys, we have to have a meeting. There's no second for the motion. So you hear Mary Norwood make a motion to recess. That's just to pause the meeting. And then you hear Liliana Bakhtiari ask, well, how long would the recess be? Right. So they could recess for 30 minutes and clear the chamber and then come back. So Liliana's question is never answered. And no one seconds Mary Norwood's motion to recess, which means that the council president is trying to figure out, well, what do I do next? Was, was that Mary Norwood that got up? Yes. So, yeah. The, so, so she stood up. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Guys, guys, can I have a moment, please? Can I have a moment, please? No, nobody's afraid of you. I am trying to keep us moving. Would you guys, would you guys work? Hey, would you, guys, can I speak, please? I've been trying to work with everybody all day to keep it moving, to make sure that people can go home and get their kids and come back, to make sure that everybody gets their chance to speak. Would you, guys, would you, would you guys please would you please would you please work can we please work together to move through the whole list i will not clear the chamber if you will simply work with us so we can keep it moving can we keep this moving can we keep this moving can we keep it moving we are more than i am more than happy to hear everybody Guys, I just need I just need us to keep moving, okay? I just need everybody to keep moving. I'm talking I'm talking to you. Everybody, can we keep it moving, please? We've been doing a good job until the last few speakers. Ruth, you've got two minutes. Thanks. Told y'all I was ready. Um, my name is Ruth Boyajian. I live told y'all I was ready. <laughs> That entire ordeal was, I think, maybe four or five minutes of the back and forth. And it, it was it was so fascinating to watch. Part, going back and listening to it a second time, I'm like, man, I mean, it almost sounded like an exasperated father dealing with teenagers. It sounded like the substitute teacher. <laughs> yeah. Like, all, right, all right, I'm going to kick you out of class. Right. All right. All right. Just listen and I won't kick you out right. of class. <laughs> <laughs> oh man but you know love it or hate it i think this is what makes america special right just seeing and, and watching this exchange however uncomfortable it might have been for the council president and others um you know the ability to protest the ability to make your voice heard helping elected officials think through their decisions and how they exercise their power Another important uh, thing to note about what happened Monday is that 
all of the folks, or I'm going to say an overwhelming majority of the people who spoke were city of Atlanta residents. And that's important because it's counter to the argument that the folks who are opposing Cop City are people who are outside, right? These outside agitators are coming in and trying to stir up trouble in Atlanta. Here's what I'm hoping, which could be a long shot. I don't know. But <laughs> some hope in the midst of the chaos is that the building of Cop City and the way that it has gone about is the death of the Atlanta way. At the end of the day, Atlanta residents are feeling, this is what I'm hearing at least, that government is happening to them and not with them. And I think the reality is most residents do want our first responders to have a quality public safety training center. And even more importantly, they want our first responders to be properly trained but they're not okay with the way that it went about. Now, this is today, it's 2023. How long are folks' memories going to be? That is the big question. Does this matter in 2025 when the city council and the mayor are up for re-election? I don't know. Time will tell. Um, so what happens next as it relates to the Cop City conversation? The legislation was introduced in city council at the full council meeting, which is customary. It then goes through the committee process. So next is Wednesday. So the day after our podcast airs, it will be voted on or at least up for discussion in the finance exec committee of the city council. Now, I mentioned the names of the folks who co-sponsored the legislation, and I did that because four of those people, four of those names, are also on the finance exec committee. Because of that, conventional wisdom would say that the legislation will pass the, will pass the committee without any issue. I think the one question is, what does Liliana Bakhtiari do? Because she's one person who has... I don't I have to go back and, and check the records. I don't think Liliana has come out necessarily fully against the training center, but has questioned some components of the process. And so could she be the lone dissenting vote to be determined? I don't know. So that is the latest uh, with Cop City. Um, there's This is going to, I think, continue to be up for discussion um, over the next few weeks, right? So once it passes finance exec, it will go back to the full city council for a vote. And I imagine both the finance exec committee meeting on Wednesday will have be a repeat perhaps of what we heard from Monday's full council meeting. And then the next full council meeting will also be a repeat of what we heard. And then the question is how patient will the council members and the council president be in those meetings? We'll see. All right, on to some other things. Um, this is public safety related, but a little bit different. And I'm, I'm mentioning this because it impacts all of us. Um, so, you know, if you're on the highway and you see those yellow hero trucks, so they help move and secure accidents um, as first responders come on the scene to address the accidents. Well, the department, that's the Georgia Department of Transportation, who handles the hero trucks, uh, they are short-staffed. 
So because of that, they can't get enough people to fill the positions. They're going to reduce the coverage area in Metro Atlanta by 35%, which I know one of the counties that's going to be impacted is Gwinnett County. So the new hours for the Hero Trucks is going to be, instead of 24-hour coverage, it's going to be from 5 a.m. to 11.30 p.m. on weekdays, and then from 6 a.m. to 11.30 p.m. on weekends. So just don't get in a crash between the, the hours that they're not in service. Um, and I think we've talked about this on the pod before. I want to say we did this when Jason Dozier was on, City Council Member Jason Dozier. The rate of car crashes in Metro Atlanta and in Georgia in 2022 were higher than they were in 2021. And this year, 2023, is on pace to be higher than 2022. So y'all, please be safe out there and chill out with the road rage. Thank you. (laughs) All right, let's move on to some national stories. The biggest one for sure is the debt ceiling. Uh, The deadline for raising or addressing the debt ceiling is June 1st of 2023. And if Congress does not do it by that date, then the United States will default on its debt. Let's take a listen to Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, also known as AOC, talking about the deliberations. And also, I think it's important to understand here that because Kevin McCarthy does not have the votes in his caucus, and not by four or five, but by 20, 30, 40, or potentially 50 votes, the White House needs to understand how many Democrats do they have that would actually vote for these kinds of cuts. You have the Progressive Caucus right now that is about 100 members. Yeah. And many of them probably automatically off the board. You have the Congressional Black Caucus that just issued a statement very forcefully coming out. And so that brings you now to maybe about 100 to 150 Democrats potentially off the board. And so if they need 50, that really starts to make the the Democratic ability to opt into a deal when Kevin McCarthy is so short, it starts making that math difficult. And that is where I believe Hakeem Jeffries plays a role here. Uh, Just because Republicans have the majority, what they need is is that they need us to bail them out here. And when the tables are flipped, there have been moments where we have had extraordinary Democratic unity, but we had five defections, right, from perhaps the more moderate end of the caucus. Yep. We're in a situation when so Democrats- she's talking about Kevin McCarthy, who's the Speaker of the House, and Hakeem Jeffries, who is the minority, um, right? So he's leading the Democratic caucus. So at some point in the very near future, there's going to be a vote on the debt ceiling. But if there's not, here's what happens. If we don't raise the debt ceiling... It's like the likelihood of us entering a recession, although there's some debate that we're already in a recession. The likelihood of the recession worsening uh, is is higher for sure. Uh, the value of the dollar drops, uh, interest rates will increase. You're going to see a trickle effect, right? So progressive Democrats are urging the White House to consider invoking the 14th Amendment. So, so what does she mean when she said that the Democrats might not also have the numbers. 
things. Like there's some Democrats that also won't vote vote for the. So what's happening is a negotiation between Kevin McCarthy and his caucus, right? Or Kevin McCarthy and Republicans and Biden and Democrats. So McCarthy and the Republicans want a reduction in spending. So if, if the president says, okay, we'll reduce spending in these areas, there's a chance that certain Democratic caucuses will we'll say go for that. no yes. go. Because I heard like the big thing was the uh, trying to make SNAP benefits yes. work. In, uh, okay, okay, now I get it. Yeah. So then you you have, you know, all sides are upset, right? There's no there's no win. So Democrats, some progressive Democrats are saying, okay, well, if you can't negotiate in good faith with Republicans, invoke the 14th Amendment, President Biden. So the president could invoke the 14th Amendment, and then the issue would go to the courts, right? So the U.S. Supreme Court would have to rule that the debt ceiling is unconstitutional. Then the president would be able to borrow money without raising the debt ceiling. But if the court rules that the debt ceiling is constitutional, then the president will not be able to use the 14th Amendment, and then there would have to be a negotiation between Republicans and Democrats. So one group that's not being discussed that would be impacted by the debt ceiling fight uh, if we do indeed default government workers would be furloughed or they would have their pay delayed right so if they're non-essential so if you think about in the state of georgia across the country in dc there are thousands upon thousands of federal government employees and these folks will end up being hurt financially if this indeed happens What's interesting is that, so furloughed means that you're working, but you're not being paid, right? Or your hours are being reduced. <laughs> um, they could, it would not be eligible for benefits such as health insurance or, or retirement contributions. There's a possibility this could happen. Now they could apply for unemployment benefits, but that's going to be less than your salary, right? So those are just some things to consider in this conversation about the debt ceiling, the debt ceiling is always one of those political conversations where party A wants to make party B look like the boogeyman and vice versa. So this is one of those things where you got to weed through the noise to really understand what's happening. Moving along, uh, we're going to talk about, um, oh, Florida, <laughs> our neighbor to the south. So I thought this was really fascinating. The NAACP, the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, has issued a travel advisory telling black folks to maybe reconsider visiting or traveling to Florida. Now, you know, kids about to get out of school. College kids are already out of school. And it's like you go to Florida, right, for the summer. Here's what they read, they said in their travel advisory, and I quote, On a seeming quest to silence African-American voices, the governor and the state of Florida have shown that African-Americans are not welcome in the state of Florida. Due to the sustained, blatant, relentless, and systemic attack on democracy and civil rights, the NAACP 
hereby issues a travel advisory to African-Americans and other people of color regarding the hostility towards African-Americans in Florida. So, Keith, don't take the kids to Florida this summer. I already did that. I already canceled our Florida plans before this. Uh, really? Came out. Yeah, because I was like, I'm not, you know, supporting Florida with everything. Because the, where, um, so where are you go? Where are you going to beach? Oh, Myrtle Beach, Folly South beach, Carolina. South Carolina. Okay. You know, and Alabama low key has some good beaches too. People I mean, forget, Alabama's people about Alabama beaches. Alabama's just as in the same world as Florida when it comes to the lack of progress mm. on these kinds of issues. A little bit. I think DeSantis is so public oh, yeah, he's, and vocal. He's vocal. You know, we, we like our racism covered up with That's a little right. bit of gravy on That's top. That's right. That's yeah. right. <laughs> well. Um, and let's talk about something happening on the complete opposite side of the country. This is so fascinating to me, and I haven't heard a lot of people talk about it, which is why I want to mention this. So in Oregon, Republican senators and the Oregon state legislator have been boycotting the Senate since May 11th. So it's been about two weeks now. And they want a couple of bills killed, right, as they're in this legislative process. One of the bills would raise the possession and purchase age limit on certain guns, and it would allow local governments to prohibit concealed carry on public in public buildings and on public grounds. And then there's another bill related to um, a constitutional amendment surrounding marriage protections for same-sex couples. There's also some legislation that among the many provisions would ensure that children of any age would be able to receive an abortion without parental consent, which is, that was kind of a red flag to me. Um, but these are some of the bills that are up for debate and discourse, which is what you're supposed to do in the Senate. It's supposed to be a deliberative body. Uh, but instead of deliberating, Republican senators are just walking out and they're saying we are not going to participate in this body of deliberation. And as a result, 10 Republican senators are now no longer eligible for re-election because they have too many unexcused absences. This is the part that gets really interesting. So Republicans in Oregon did a version of this last year, and in response, there was a statewide referendum passed that said that you cannot miss a certain number, as no more than 10 unexcused absences. If you have at least 10 unexcused absences or more, you are no longer eligible for re-election. It's kind of like, I guess, when you're in school, right? You can't have, you can only have a certain number of unexcused absences. <laughs> or a real job. <laughs> Too many <laughs> unexcused womp. absences. Womp womp. You got to go. You got to go. Yeah. Are they Democrat-led? Uh, is that? Yes. Oh, okay, so this is their way of protesting. This is their way of protesting. And... What's interesting is since this has happened, there's been a new Republican PAC that has been set up and they are fundraising to mount a legal challenge to the law that voters passed last year that says you can't have all of these unexcused absences. Now, that law passed by a 68 percent margin, right? 68 percent of voters uh, supported that legislation, supported that referendum. 
So the question is, what happens? Because they haven't passed the state budget yet, right? Which is the one thing you're required to do as a state senator. And so there's conversation about, well, they'll return for the last day of session to pass the budget, or they'll end up doing a special session and pass the budget there. This is really fascinating to just kind of see what's happening nationally. It's just happening. We saw what happened in Tennessee. We talked about that. This is happening in Oregon. God knows what's going to happen in 2024 when it's a presidential election year and people feel even more inclined to kind of stretch and maybe go to the extremes of things. And so I could see this happening again elsewhere. Yeah. Have her go around singing the party pooper song. Every party needs a pooper. That's why we invited you. Party pooper. <laughs> party pooper. All right. So for our party pooper, we talked about Florida. It's going to be Ron DeSantis. But <laughs> let me explain why. And it's, you know, I'll just, yeah, let me just explain. So... Both of the senators in Florida, who are both Republicans, have publicly chided him, Ron DeSantis, that is, for going after Disney to the extent that he has. Um, and Rubio, Marco Rubio, one of the senators, said something to the effect of, so if Florida ends up having a Democratic governor and a Democratic state leg democratically controlled state, le state legislator, do we anticipate that they're going to go after, say, Chick-fil-A? This is literally the example that he gave. <laughs> Don't come for Chick-fil-A, <laughs> Rubio. No, no, no. He's saying Democrats could come after Chick-fil-A yeah, because no, they... Nobody they, can come for Chick-fil-A. They've been, you know, proven. Well, I mean, we're surprised that somebody came after freaking Walt Disney World. Like, Walt Disney. Like, who does that? Uh, Disney don't have that Chick-fil-A sauce, you know? <laughs> Disney magic Chick-fil-A sauce. <laughs> exactly. You know. <laughs> so Rubio says this, and I quote, I think where it gets problematic in the eyes of some people is when you start creating the idea, and I'm not saying we're there yet as a state, but the idea that somehow if you run crossways with us politically, whoever's in charge then you may wind up in the crosshairs of the legislator for political purposes to make a statement at you. Now, we saw this happen right here in Georgia with Delta, our hometown airlines. When Delta came after legislation that Republicans were supporting, Republicans came after Delta. Now, the difference is the way that, Dis the way that DeSantis came after Disney is nowhere near the level that, well... I generally, I would say it's not to the level that DeSantis went after Disney, but it's it's so fascinating to see this go down. So I don't know to what extent Ron DeSantis starts to pull back from this kind of public uh, fight with Disney. The state has sued Disney and Disney has sued the state. So that will be going on during the 2024 election. Um, but, you know, the question is, What's going on with DeSantis and his presidential campaign? I, I don't know. I, he kind of reminds me, for those who watched House of Cards, there was the governor candidate. I can't, I want to say his name was like Will or something like that. He was like this good looking, chiseled dude who had like the perfect family, 
and he was like a military vet or something like that. And then his campaign implodes because people find out that he's not stable. Like that's the vibe that I get from DeSantis. I agree. Like he doesn't seem too. I I don't know. I hear what you mean. He doesn't seem too stable. And uh, I don't even know if you would want him to run the country, you know, like to the extreme that he just came out the bat. Like that's, that's, that's great. And they lost jobs too. Like Disney halted on bringing jobs and everything. So that's crazy. Yeah. And I think that's why Mike Pence, right. Former vice president, Mike Pence is trying to see, okay, do I have an opening? Because People are a little leery about DeSantis. Trump is Trump. Could it end up being Pence versus Trump? Who knows? By the way, Pence hired one of Brian Kemp's uh, campaign folks. He hired Pence, he he hired Brian Kemp's campaign manager. So I don't know. Is Brian Kemp going to be angling for a, a vice presidential slot? We'll vice see. President Kemp. Vice President. I know. We, we downgraded him from president <laughs> to vice president. Oh, Lord. I'm the party starter. Everybody, let's go. Um, a party starter. You know, I was thinking about this. Like, I don't know who did anything worth highlighting. But I guess I will go back to how we started the show and talking about Cop City. Uh, and the fact that more than 300 people showed up to City Hall to express their point of view on a policy matter, whether you disagree with them or not, is really powerful. Yeah, I like what the guy said, that they're trying all channels, you know, informal and formal, and, you know, nobody is for it. So this is one of those times, as we talk about on the podcast, where we don't get a lot of public engagement. I mean, here you had 300 people. Right. Sit there. I mean, you heard him get your kids and come back to prove a point. And it seems like a pretty mixed coalition, too. It's yeah, not it was just once it's everybody. So, right. Uh, like you said, depending on what happens, I really hope it doesn't pass. But if it passes, I mean, this city's going to change. It's, it's going to be different. We shall see. <laughs> All right, y'all. That is the pod. As always, thank you so much for listening. Feel free to share. Just hit that little share button, send it to your friend, to your relative, to your neighbor. And until next time, we'll see you.